Now then everybody, this is the Wedding Mavericks podcast, a podcast for wedding photographers and videographers who want to build successful and sustainable businesses. My name is Jules and I'm joined by Lindsay and on this episode we are going to be discussing pricing. So, how are we doing? It's been a few <laughs> asking weeks. asking me? Asking you, asking them, asking everybody. How are we doing? Yes, it is. Uh, it's, we're into the last week of February 2023. They flying are by. flying by. Yeah, goodness. So, um, since we last saw you, spoke to you, we've of course had Valentine's Day. Uh, we hope that that bought, brought even a plethora of newly engaged couples and inquiries your way. And if you've already made a start on wedding season, we hope that those are going well so far and that you are enjoying the nice kind of more leisurely more pace. pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But equally, you know, um, that you've also been able to to spend a little bit of time on the, the business side of your wedding photography, videography business, and that's going quite well for you too. Okay. Did you set them goals? Did you set them goals? Yeah. Have you thought about your money in taxes? Yeah. Do you know your numbers? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, today we're going to be talking about pricing. Big so one. it is because it, it can be one of the most difficult things to, to work out, I think. Um, when it comes to running your business because there's lots of different options um, that are available and lots and lots of different opinions as well that people have on this particular topic. topic. It is quite a hot potato, as it were, especially in sort of groups and, and things that, that we see. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it, in line with, I guess, the things that, that – I was just recapping on there of what we've covered in, in the previous episodes. It just naturally is, I think, uh, one of the points in the year where you're going to be having a look at not only your pricing, but also you're going to be considering the pricing of your competitors also. Um, something that we do see often um, in the groups, and just last last week was a... Um, a good example not a good example but an example of just what a sensitive subject this can be from people because it can it, it can be quite an emotive subject and and really um generally a lot of kind of opinion but conflict as as well and what you tend to see is a lot of sort of criticism um of of people who themselves might be positioned within a particular price bracket and there's conflict with those that are in I'll say a different price bracket yeah um and some people will be at you know well not some people but we're all at different stages within the kind of business journey and within the kind of life of our business um and there are lots and lots of different factors that affect it of which we're going to cover today but yeah there is none more so than the subject of pricing than i observe that really really brings out the conflict yeah it polarizes people a little bit doesn't it yeah yeah, and it's uh, it's not always helpful, I should say. Not always productive and not always helpful are the things it, that, it's something that you tend that should, to see. It's something that should be discussed more openly um, because that would be helpful if people were more honest and open about pricing. Yeah. I think that, that, I think that if, if people 
who are in a position, and this is why we want to talk about it, because if you're in a position where you can give people an insight and, and help them um, understand kind of, if they're earlier on in their in their journeys than you are, um, you can help them understand what probably will happen yeah. with their prices and, and what they might experience. It's going to be different for everybody. Everyone's different. That's what we're going to be talking about. But, you know, what might happen? Then it probably would help everybody to charge. We're not going to say more because that's not the key here. It's not about charging more. It's about charging the right amount. Mm. And we'll, we'll use a term that we um, say a lot, a successful and sustainable business. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be helpful, I think, if people were more open and honest. But it doesn't help when people are kind of being critical. Yeah, because yeah. I think what w- what's important really is for you to understand why you charge what you charge. Okay, that's nobody else's decision. That's your decision. Um, it should be backed by some kind of strategy. There should be a strategy to to your pricing, and you should absolutely be feeling confident in presenting that to your couples okay regardless of the stage that you're at in your business but if you've made a decision about your pricing then know why you're why you are charging that and feel confident in it because if you don't then the couples that you're presenting it to sure as heck aren't going to feel confident in what you're trying you know if you're coming across and sounding a little bit like uh it's uh this much yeah, or flim-flamming, <laughs> you know, like one minute it's this much, next minute it's this much, and not being able to kind of back that up with any kind of, you know, I'm going to be able to do it for you on this this mm. amount because of X, Y, and Z. But just, make, you know, if you come across like you're making it up as you go along, you're not going to be able to to get there. No. Um, and, and, you know, some couples will be looking, you know, a lot of this is to do with you. Um, it shouldn't really be to do with the couples. There'll always be couples looking to pay a certain amount for certain services. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily correlate to the amount they're spending on the wedding, and it doesn't necessarily correlate to the amount of money that those people have. It's about what they want to spend their money on, about what they want to, what they value a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So you will find that it's not. It doesn't. You know, just because they're having a wedding there, and you're thinking, well, that they must be spending this much on. A photographer or videographer don't just assume that that's going to be the case mm. um but also you know it, it should be about you and it, what we're going to go through now is what the things you need to be thinking about with your pricing to be able to do it properly um because it, it's all right charging what people want to pay but if that's not enough to sustain your business mm. successfully then there's no point no. Not going to work in the long run. Sorry, no. It in again. Okay. no, no, that's okay. Because you, you, you're absolutely right. So for, that, that's the bottom line, isn't it? So once again, a business that's sustainable for you, we have to, in making decisions on our pricing, we have to find the right balance that's going to help us to achieve our goals ultimately, don't we? You know, for us personally, as well as raising our prices as we developed our business, we've also changed the structure of our pricing lots of times and we've done that because we needed the knowledge of testing different things we need to understand what works and doesn't work and just a couple of months ago you know we were talking to you about um the fact that we hadn't had we'd had lots of uh, leads generated 
based on the marketing that we were doing, but we hadn't had a booking in six months. And what we decided to do was make a tweet to the structure of the pricing and how it was presented to the couples. And within doing that, within two weeks, I think it was three bookings that we ended up getting within that short period of time. So yes, we're talking today about pricing and being confident in it, having a strategy to understanding it. But with that also understand, it's not just about the amount in pounds or dollars that people are going to see. It's how it's structured also. Absolutely. So what we want this to be is a no-nonsense, hopefully helpful discussion on what is, you know, this this weird kind of polarising topic that actually shouldn't be one at all. It should be quite a straightforward topic. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of people are quite guarded about it as well. You know, they'll talk, they'll talk about you should be charging this, you should be charging that. But when it comes to well, what do you charge, people don't necessarily like to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. Um, and yeah, this is going to be more relevant to the UK market because that's where we are and we, we can't really, you know, split up each area and, and talk about them individually. Plus, we don't really have the same knowledge of like, you know, the, the, the more central European market or the the US market or the Asian market. You know, we don't have those, we don't have that understanding in the same way that we do of the UK market. So that's that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. But I would say that these principles and even these amounts will be, you know, there'll be some correlation to to different parts of the world where you, there might be, you know, similar price brackets. They'll just be slightly lower or slightly higher. And mm. um, that's what I would, I would kind of say. So what we're going to cover going forward from here, it's going to be quite quick fire this one, hopefully. Um, we've got a short space of time to, to record this, so we're going to try and get it, get it done um, succinctly. But we've always said that. So, um, Is that another S? That's another six. Yeah. Um, so why pricing? Uh, so what we're going to be covering is why pricing differs so much. Uh, why figuring out what to charge is so important to the success and sustainability of your business. We will discuss the changes that we've seen in pricing over the last six years that we've been in the wedding industry. Uh, we'll talk about the brackets of pricing, the amounts that people are typically charging across the UK mm-hmm. based on quite a bit of research that we've carried out. Um, and we will be discussing our own pricing journey and where we're at now. And then finally, we're going to go through a strategy, hopefully, that you can use if you want to, uh, to try and work out your own pricing in a sustainable way. It's based around the, the sort of principles that we've used and developed over the years. So let's start off by and asking the question of why does pricing differ so much, Lindsay? It's a big question. Um, It's going to be down to multiple things. They're not all necessarily within your control, but they are within your uh, preference. You can choose these things in a way uh, based on the sorts of market or the sorts of clients that you're wanting to do, the sorts of venues you're wanting to shoot at, things like that. So there's always going to be the, the general demographic and circumstantial reasons and I should just caveat that we, we're going to be talking about pricing in relation to both photography and videography because not necessarily doing them as a joint package but just I would say that um, at, at this moment photography and videography are cons- they are price um, they're on a similar price level if that makes sense I would say that when we first started, videography was undervalued. And so mm. photography 
generally people paid more for photography. Or that's what we saw in general. I'm not saying every single wedding and every single couple and every single videographer or photographer, that's how it was, but generally. Whereas I think now, generally, now, the pricing is more comparable. Certainly here in the UK anyway. Um, So there's always going to be those general demographic or circumstantial reasons. For example, areas where people are based, whether this is internationally or nationally. Mm -hmm. So we can say that we we are in the UK and the there is a general understand well a general consensus should we say not understanding that the north of the country is somewhat considered to be poorer than the south that is an absolute generalized stereotype because it isn't quite like that at all there are poorer and richer areas around the country um and there are certainly, in the north where we live, there are certainly some very affluent areas, um, in some respects even more so than down south, because there's a lot of land in the north. A lot of people own a lot of land in the north, so there's a lot of very rich people living in the north of England. Um, and there's a lot of nice wedding venues in the north of England. Um, but I think that generally everybody knows that the UK, a lot of the wealth and a lot of the... Um, because of the the price difference in living down south to living up north, things cost more down south. Housing costs more. It generally costs more to live, um, and wages are usually higher in the south of the the country. So therefore, things generally cost a bit more around London, around the southeast, somewhat to, towards the southwest. So. There's a bit of a difference there. And that will be the same wherever you are. So different parts, certainly I know what different parts of the US from what I've heard, you know, a wedding in New York or in California um, is going to be costing a completely different amount to somewhere in Central America. Uh, not Central America, but Central US as in some of the central states. You know, the so how much a photographer or videographer is going to be charging for those weddings is going to also be more or less depending on where, you, where people are getting married. Um, you know, the types of clients. So again, in in all of the areas, you're going to get different budgets, different types of clients. Clients who've got more more money, um, clients who value uh, or place value on certain things like memories, photography, videography. Maybe it's a a stylistic thing. Maybe it's, I want to look good on social media or, um, you know, like the, the value of the memory thing is important. So, people will place higher value on things. Um, and within the sexes in a market as well, so, you know, you're always going to have your lower-end weddings, your mid-range weddings, your higher-end weddings, and then, like, your super-rich weddings. We're going to go on to talk about that in a second. But people are going to have budgets that they've allocated or have in mind, um, and that, that's that's kind of what they're going to going to spend. And depending on where they're getting married, what type of venue they're getting married at, how much they're paying for the venue and things like that will probably determine um, what you're going to be able to charge them for photography or videography. Then there's a level of work. You know, how good you work, how experienced are you, how good at marketing are you? And are your films and photos similar to everybody else's or are you doing something that's different or are you doing something that's deemed better as in it's higher quality these are all things that 
are subjective. So what one person thinks uh, is good, another person might not. And so there isn't really a fine line with that, but I guess there's a general standard of like, if you're above this standard, you're probably able to charge, you know, mid to high end prices. And if you're below that standard, you're probably going to be charging lower. Um, And everybody gets to that stage at a different point in their, Mm. in their career, I guess. Um, But the main thing that's going to influence your pricing over the longer term is going to be your individual circumstances and your business plan or strategy. So, you know, where do you want to work? Are you happy to travel? Like if we wanted to travel all the time, we'd be going, doing international weddings, going abroad to like places like, you know, if people get married in Italy or um, Spain or Greece and they were getting married and, and they were spending a lot on their wedding and they wanted something very specific, there are, there are people that want to spend that. In the south of England, maybe they um, are going to be generally spending more. So whenever we go down south to do a wedding, it does tend to be easier to convert those people at higher price points than local to us. That's, that's a general rule of thumb and that's because you know of, of the things we've talked about so it's what we want do we want to be having to drive three four five six hours or fly somewhere for a wedding or do we want to be able to drive half an hour or less or maybe at most an hour or two and you know what's what's the right balance for you yeah. um you know your own individual circumstances so what What's, what's your costs? What's your cost of doing business? What's your personal living expenses? What do you want or need to, to earn? Um, these are going to massively affect it. They should be massively affecting the way that you approach pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's not, they're in a one size fits all and they're in a right and wrong. So let's give you some examples. I'll start off with photographer A. Is a 25 year old, lives alone, has rent of 500 pounds a month. They're doing wedding photography alongside a part-time job, which pays them enough to cover their rent and bills. They don't have a lot of experience and are still learning the craft. They've got modest camera equipment. It gets the job done, but they haven't invested a lot of money into the business at this point. They know the photos are not quite the same standard as a more established photographer in the area, but they book 25 weddings a year in their local area and charge around £1,000 per wedding. They generate a total income of 25000 a year from weddings, which is more than they get from their other job. Um, and it means that they can easily support their interest in travelling and socialising with friends. So what about your example, Linz? Okay, so another example may be photographer B, or videographer, is 40 years old. They live with their partner and two children. They have a mortgage which is around about £1,500 a month. They've been a wedding photographer for 10 years, and this is their full-time job. They've invested significantly over the years in equipment and education to be right at the top of their game. And they are highly sought after by couples because of the reputation that they've built. Many of their weddings require them to travel nationally or internationally and can sometimes be multi-day events. To enable this, they need to pay pay other people um, to assist them and to provide the premium service that they want to be able to give that to their clients so that they can limit the number of weddings that they take on each year. They charge a minimum of £5,000 per wedding, 
but generate over £10,000 for some of them. They typically do under 15 weddings a year and aim to keep their earnings under the VAT registration limit of £85,000 in the UK. They are not rich, but they live a comfortable lifestyle which allows them to spend time with their family. Now, both of these professionals are very happy. Yep. Neither of them is wrong. Neither of them is right. They are just different each one has a clear set goal, if you like, with their pricing. Yeah. And they've done that because it meets their needs, personal and professional. Yep. Now, although these are just two kind of very different examples, of course, there's going to be very lots and lots of different variations of... Um, you know, your background, your own circumstances um, for for all of us within the industry. And for those of you at the various different points within your business journey, as we've said, you'll all be operating within a particular way because of your circumstances, but because of the goals that you've set also. And what's important here is that you know why you're charging what you are or that you're aiming to, that you're trying to just kind of step up to the next level to be able to do. And then you can work out the best way in which you can um, outline that to couples and start achieving that level of pricing, that level of income. Cool. So this leads us into quite nicely uh, uh, the section on pricing for success and sustainability. So, all right, in the UK... Um, inflation, um, and it, well, inflation has been off the charts now for a number of months, hasn't it? Probably about six months. All that all that's been dominating the news is inflation is at like over ten percent. I think this is the same in other parts of the world. I don't think it's anything that's just just sort of happening here. No. Um, uh, we inflation in the back of the. The last year, 2022, meant that wages were rising on average of 6.7%. So if you've got a job, you know, whatever job, whether you're in the public or private sector, wages are rising 6.7%. So the reason for bringing that up is, do you think about the fact that if wages are rising 6.7% and your prices haven't risen by 6.7%, that you're now going to be technically behind where average wages are um but also it's more complicated than that because when you charge someone for your services you're not just paying your wage you are having to pay out for all the the costs and all the expenses that that you have to consider as well as your own personal costs and expenses going up for your bills at home your food things like that so there's a there's a benchmark, 6.7%. So if your prices aren't at least kind of 10% higher this year than they were last year, then you had 100% going to be poorer based on what you're charging this year than you were last year. And when you consider that most people probably, most photographers and videographers, particularly photographers, will book a year or more in advance for their weddings, you're now going to be doing weddings this year 
at prices you were charging in 2021, mm. 2022. So you're going to be taking a huge hit. You might be 20% behind mm. technically mm. where everybody else is in terms of where wages are. Yeah. Trickling through already are inquiries for 2025, one for August 2025, and it's February 23 right now. So Who knows where the... Who knows where the, the costs are then? Who knows what, what inflation is then? Hopefully not as high as it is now anyway. So it's important to think beyond what you think you can you can charge right now because you've got to factor in those lead times. Mm. And if you don't get this right, it'll slow your growth. It'll slow your growth down. It'll certainly restrict your own, you know, when I say slow growth, it means you won't be able to spend much money on your business because you won't have money in your business to be able to spend on whether it's you know new equipment or something if you need it investing in yourself in education in marketing in general running of your business and then also there are you know there's the fact that if your living expenses go up you're probably going to have to take more money out of the business to cover those therefore it's like a double whammy for the business the business Mm -hmm. is going to have no money in it it's going to be just getting by because that any buffer that you'd built up is not going to be there so it's not just about, you know, that's how you're going to slow your growth down. But what if what if it actually is that bad that you don't even want to continue? Mm. And that's the thing that stops you from being able to do this. And you end up packing it in and going and getting a job because you just can't possibly maintain it. Um, so it's really important that you're thinking about this stuff. That's that's why pricing is so important. It's not just about the here and now. It's not just about the, you know, the bravado and the, the showing off of like, I, I charge this much. It really is about... What happens in a year? What happens in three years? Mm. You know, are you going to be at the right place in terms of what you're charging for your services? What people are expecting to pay even? You know, you, they're getting a bargain if they're getting you at 2000, you know, nine, uh, 2020 prices. Mm. So it's it's important. And, you know, you need to... How to ensure your pricing is sustainable is linked closer to our previous two podcasts on money and taxes, knowing your numbers. So if you haven't listened to those, we suggest you go away and give those a listen because it'll be really helpful to understand the things we talked about in that and how that relates to the things we're talking about in this episode. Mm. So just then to to kind of follow on from what you've just been saying there, Jules. In So we're coming into our sixth year in business. So... Let, let me just kind of summarise the the changes, if you like, that we've seen or, or that we've experienced in pricing over that past six years. And for some of you, it may be less time for some of you, of course, it may be more than that. So from just our perspective, as I kind of go through this, just consider yourselves how long you've been working with this in, within this industry. And can you yourself reflect on what changes you've also seen? So for us, lots and lots of changes in that period of time Mm. in terms of the number of people within wedding photography and videography, um, as well as the technological um, changes that we've seen in camera equipment that's used, editing software. You know, we now have AI that we can kind of lean on when it comes to our editing, for example, Um, and also different wedding trends as well and how those have been inspired and influenced by different kind of external things from, you know, social media to um, still the, the, the kind of wedding magazines that we see, celebrity weddings, all that kind of thing. But don't actually think pricing has changed 
that much if you consider the cost of living and as you you just kind of alluded to in terms of sort of um inflation thinking about that and the way that what kind of um what kind of thoughts people have and are having when it comes to budgeting and spending on their wedding particularly focused on videography and photography and that's potentially due to a kind of saturation in the market that I think we've seen mm. this big influx of different suppliers to choose from, not just in photography and videography, but every aspect of weddings, you know, just in the, the six years that, that we've been doing it, you know, the new things, the new trends, the new must haves that we have seen that have now kind of, you know, perhaps what was maybe a list of, 15 must-haves for your wedding day is now at maybe 20, 25 must-haves, <laughs> so it seems. Um, so there's lots and lots of different suppliers um, fighting for that kind of lower to kind of mid-end of the market to kind of get a foot in the door, if you like, and they themselves kind of look to build a bit of momentum with their service that they're offering yep. um, and, and build a good reputation as well. But we do think from a video perspective that that has become a more desirable service, something that is more sought after now from our from couples um, who are getting married. So if you are in some way standing out from the crowd in your particular market, you can probably charge a little more to the clients in the mid-range markets. Yeah. That's also true for photographers, not to exclude you, to some extent, and particularly those, I think we would say, those who have really got to grips with and who have understood and been able to use to their advantage Instagram and kind of Reels, TikTok, that sort of thing. The ones who have really, really... They've Um, they've probably been able to like, yeah, really bump their prices up. Yeah. Not necessarily in proportion to how... um, how we would all have normally done it. You would have expected it to like go be a bit more gradual and they've been able to, to kind of raise the prices yeah. a, lot, a lot sooner. Because I just think there's there's this additional element of being able to showcase yourself to clients now when it comes to your kind of marketing and the sharing of your work. What once would have been wedding fairs, um, word of mouth, your own website. Yes, you may have had a social media profile, but it wouldn't have been working as hard as what it is, what the potential of it. Yeah, is right become, now yeah. has become yeah so really if you're on your your a game as far as your your instagram and your tiktok's been concerned then i think definitely that would have um kind of enabled you to 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 certainly increase your pricing and, and take advantage of that opportunity yeah but the general thing to take away from that is is that actually pricing for wedding photography and videography hasn't risen in the same way as what the you know general inflation and prices of things have if you consider you know the last six years particularly Mm -hmm. the last two or three years Mm -hmm. um so we wanted to go through brackets for the pricing of what we kind of see for 2023 for photographers and videographers so this is based on quite a bit of general research that we've done over the past few months we've done that because um you know we're a bit nosy and it's for our own interest it's Mm. because we are always trying to figure out you know what's going on in the market what people are charging so that we can make sure we're not 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 that we're necessarily going to make that completely influence what we do but it's good to know where you are in the market you you should do market research um 
So we've looked at lots of people's work and websites up and down the country. You know, if I come across somebody I've never heard of before, I always take a look at them and, and their website. And some people have the, the pricing on there. So obviously we can we can see what that is. We can see what they're likely to be charging. Although you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because what people show on the website isn't necessarily what they always charge. But it's a good indication. Some don't list pricing, but I still know through general discussions um, and, and just observing what, what people say and talking to other photographers and videographers, feedback from inquiries that we get because we do ask our couples if they booked somebody else to indicate who it was and what they were charging. Sometimes they give us that information, which is very helpful because mm. it might not be what you were expecting them to charge. So, you know, although this is quite generalised research, it is based on on some factual information we think it's probably quite accurate. So um, let's go with the brackets a little bit. I'll explain. We're going to have low, lower mid, upper mid, high end, and then ultra high end. So by low, we mean, you know, they get someone's getting married in the registry office. Basically, that's the kind of stock place you can get married in the UK if you're listening from elsewhere. Um, a bit like a t- you know, town hall or something like that. Um, and you know, having your reception at a local pub or you're not even having a reception necessarily. So somebody who's just wanting the, the you know, photos, video capturing of basically I'm getting married and maybe a little bit of a portrait session or a little bit of some kind of, some speeches or something. But it's not necessarily your big full day, uh, lavish wedding affair where you're capturing prep and you're capturing um, parties and things like that. Um, and they're not going to be spending a vast amount on the, the wedding in general. It's, they're doing it on a budget. So I would say that that is, you know, we're looking at two in this country. For, these are prices for kind of photography and videography because we're sort of saying they're comparable. Um, not not together, so each uh, each service, somewhere between 200 and and £1,000. Obviously, 200 is really, really low. And anybody who's charging that as a full-time photographer or videographer per, for a wedding, I just do not know how you can possibly run a business charging £200. Um, similarly, the, the sort of top end, top end of that, 1000 I also don't know how you can charge £1,000 per wedding and be comfortably sustaining that. Mm. Um, as your as your sole income, income. Mm. so the people in this are mainly going to be i would say are more likely to be people that are doing this on a part-time basis alongside other forms of revenue you know the jobs mm. um but i would say that that's a, a solid market in the uk mm. i'd say that they're always certainly photographers maybe not many videographers but certainly photographers are required in that in that market mm. and i do think a lot of videographers will charge those amounts when they're starting out as yeah. will photographers. Yeah, but because we, you know we've we've heard the term portfolio building. Yeah, lots of times, and you know that that's that that's often where people are starting. Yeah, so then there's the lower mid range, which I would say is a, is is maybe the biggest market, or certainly this and the next the the the, the upper mid range market is the biggest market for weddings in the UK. I would say that people are charging around a thousand to eighteen hundred per service in that, um, and that these are quite large amounts. You know, differences like a thousand to eighteen hundred, it's almost double. Um, but that is the sort of range I would say. And mm. again, that is going to depend on things like um, 
the location in the country, the type of venue, mm. and all the other things that we've talked about that are variables. Mm. I would say that you know that fifteen hundred pound mark. I would say is is you know fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred is basically the most. I would say. Uh, popular amount for, mm. for for both photographers and videographers to charge in this country. Yeah, and that's I would again without ju- ju- not wanting to just generalise all the time, but I would say that's a full time photographer videographer yes. doing high volume each yeah. year. Yeah, because they they need they need to. Yeah, to and make high volume is like 30, 40, 50, 60 weddings a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's obviously that's well, a well large third, that's a yeah. large scale as yeah. well, but. And, you know, I would say that we'll go, go on to this, but that's not a bad place to be if you are in your first few years of um, capturing weddings. Yeah. Um, because you can make an, you can make an okay living off it depending mm-hmm. on your personal circumstances. Yeah. And yeah, you gain, can run a business uh, off it. Absolutely. And gaining a ton of experience. All those weddings, goodness, what, what, what you can learn. First few years of doing it, if you're young enough, energetic enough, your personal circumstances allow, you've got the time and freedom to be able to to do that. And then, in you know, personally, you're investing a lot of time into your editing there, aren't you? Yes. And um, so, yeah, absolute advantage of that is that you'll be learning a ton. Yeah. So if we say that you want to be earning around £1,500, I would say, is the sort of target amount as somebody who is in their first few years of doing weddings, £1,500, whether you're a photographer or videographer, for a full day, if this is your full-time gig, I think that that is, the, that is a good amount to, to be aiming for. Yeah. So um, we then look at the upper mid-range market, which, again, is quite a big... It's an even bigger stretch, if you like. Um, but these are your sorts of weddings where people are getting married at the the nicer venues. We're not talking about luxury, luxury weddings. We're talking about um, nice, very nice weddings that a lot of uh, professional couples, mm. um, you know, will be having. So, you know, again, I would, I would, I'm not going to sort of say exactly who the person is I'm not going to stereotype the person but if we say you know people that have got professional jobs like teachers um nurses police officers um maybe better jobs than that uh, as well and people who've got family members that are going to be paying for the wedding will be having one of these upper mid-range uh, weddings mm-hmm. um and I would say that they're, they're going to be willing to pay anywhere between eighteen hundred to three and a half thousand pounds on um, photo or video. So potentially they're going to spend up to six, seven thousand pounds on both of those services. Mm-hmm. And that's because their weddings are probably going to be costing somewhere between forty and a hundred thousand pounds, mm. which is a lot. It's a crazy amount. That doesn't sound like you know doesn't sound like to me what i would have thought of when we got married as upper Gosh. mid-range i would have thought of that yeah. as like a millionaire's wedding <laughs> but i just think that now you know there are so many people that have got a lot of money and spend a lot of money on weddings that it's sort of brought that average price down mm. or oh, average price up even sorry <laughs> um so 
that's kind of your upper mid-range and that's where we're in at the moment and I would say that that's where is a good place to be if you um, aren't looking to be travelling all the time and aren't looking to be doing really kind of posh high-end dues all the time. Mm. You'll still get a nice range of different types of venues, different types of couples yeah. with this within that within that bracket but you're earning decent money yeah i think and and as you come into talking about the the higher end now i think um a, a major difference between the upper mid there and the higher end will be that there will be the involvement of um a wedding planner or planning team yeah. i think um and the, the the higher end sorry not to <laughs> jump in ahead of time there but you know so if we take from three three and a half thousand maybe it's up to around about ten thousand you know certainly I would expect that um you won't be getting contacted by the couples for those weddings you'd be getting contacted by by a planner, a planner. Of, or somebody who's organizing the wedding on yeah. their behalf um and that's you know so that's that again three and a half to ten thousand is a huge bracket gosh yeah but I think that's because we've kind of we've kind of been on the peripheral of that um we're more in that that upper mid-range market but we have we have seen or we have been a part of those weddings and so there's a there's a definite kind of difference in the way that they generally are planned but there's there's not as many of those weddings because we're now we're now starting to talk about people that have got quite Mm -hmm. a bit of wealth to be able to spend on the wedding and again, it, it, we can range between people who have just done well for themselves and people who uh, like come from millionaire families. So we're, you know, we're we're now talking about a, a huge kind of range of people, um, and and we've met some really nice people within those mm. sort of ranges. But again, it's there's probably going to be more traveling expected. Mm. Probably going to be a bit more going on. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. again, these people might be. You know, they might have either really good jobs or they come from a, a background that is completely different to the one that you're used to. You know, it's a different world. Let's let's just say that. And then there's the ultra high end, which you know, uh, uh, where they're going to be paying ten k plus for either photography or videography, um, anything up to goodness knows how much. And those and those people are going to be, they are going to be millionaires. Are billionaires and that is a very different world so hopefully that gives you an idea of where things are it's obviously going to vary between countries but it's a nice little guide to to sort of understand uh, the the brackets um in relation to pricing so let's talk about our pricing journey so considering your pricing journey is important because of the the lead times between bookings, which we've already talked about. So lead time between booking the wedding, shooting the wedding. So if you take a job at a price and the, the wedding's two years away, um, you know it's something that's potentially going to cause you some problems in a couple of years' time, especially if you are in that initially that, that when you first start out, you're in that lower range of just a few hundred pounds, and then a couple of years later you've booked a wedding for say three four hundred pounds but now you're charging two thousand pounds 
for a wedding. So you need to be, you're at a place where you need to be charging £2,000 a wedding and earning £2,000 a wedding because in order to grow your business, in order to move it along and in order to support yourself as your full-time job, that's the amount you, you need to be working with. But you're still having to do weddings at a few hundred pounds. That's why it's going to slow your growth. It's going to slow your ability to be able to to, to move um, forward and do this full-time if, you, if you've started off part-time. Um, so it's important. It's important to consider the journey. Um, and our journey is not typical of most because we came into this with absolutely no previous experience and we went full-time pretty much straight away. So we weren't really balancing this alongside other jobs. So we didn't have any other income. So we had to make this work very quickly. Um, the other thing is, is we hadn't really built up that much experience. So a lot of people will second shoe or they will do lower end weddings and build up to like doing you know, mid middle end weddings at a cut price to get the jobs, uh, while they've still got another income, and so they're basically building up quite a good portfolio um, without having to try and charge um, decent money to get that portfolio. And we didn't do that, um, so it, you know that is is something that's a little bit different for us and that's why I'll explain kind of what we did and what we learned from that. We also just did video to start with. So for the first 6 to 12 months we we didn't do photography. We just did video um and then after that we started doing them together. We started offering a joint photo and video package. And we built up our photography portfolio through doing those joint photo and video packages. We've never really gone into the world of doing photography as our main um, offering. We do a few um, photo jobs per year. Um, It's usually for mates, um, and we're doing them at mates rates, or we would charge them at a similar price to what we charge for our for our video work at that time. Um, but usually what's more what's more common amongst people in the industry is that they will you will see more photographers starting off as photographers and, and becoming well established. And then they start to add things like video highlights in or they add a video team into their into their kind of offering. And that's that's the more common way round of doing it. So our, our story is a little bit different in relation to that. So how did our journey go? And the reason for telling you this, again, this is not, you know, this isn't anything to do with um, check us out because we're not, we're not charging crazy amounts of money. We're just charging enough to be able to uh, support the the business and support our lifestyles. Um, and that's all we want at the moment. That's what we were aiming for. We've managed to do it, but... We're not here trying to show off. We're trying to be open and honest about this to give you the insight into what it took um, and how it kind of uh, evolved. So our first few weddings, we did them completely free. This was like a conscious decision because I'd never shot a wedding before. Lindsay had never shot a wedding before. Um, I didn't, I have a bit of a, it's a different topic really, but I have a bit of a, a policy myself, which is, I'm not going to charge someone to do something for the very first time that I ever do it. You know, until I can prove I can do it, 
and I can do it well, I'm not going to ask someone for for money. So I found a way to be able to do a couple of free weddings. One was for a, a friend of a friend, um, and one was a friend, and I did them completely free, um, and that created enough of a portfolio to get going. After that, with a quite a few months break because we we weren't really pushing it, we weren't trying to. We at this point, it's not really a business. Well, it's not a business at all. It wasn't a business. We weren't charging anything, and we hadn't established any type of business. But we did have a couple of films to show um, that managed. They weren't the most amazing things in the world, but they managed to get us um, a few jobs. And over the kind of next few months, we did quite a few jobs that were in the range of 500 to to 1,000 pounds. So in the first kind of six months of being an actual business, we probably did about 10 jobs that were under a 1,000 pounds. And um, they, again, bolstered a portfolio and we learned a lot. Um, and we also earned some money from them. And with that money, all of that money pretty much at the time, um, be- because Lindsay still was working, I had left to do this full time at that point. Lindsay was still working so she could support us. I, I pretty much piled all of the money back into the business to be able to get the equipment that I needed to to be able to build it going forwards. And it was it was after that first six month period that Lindsay uh, left her full time job and joined me. So at that point we. After around the first six to 12 months, we were fully in this full time um, with no other income. So by the end of year one, we were at the price range of between 1200 and 1500 pounds. And I would say that that then was a fairly good place to be in where we, for where we live in the north of England near Leeds. Um, I would say that that was a fairly good place to be in terms of when you look at when you looked at the peer group. This is back in two thousand and eighteen ish. The start of two thousand eighteen ish, people were around us that were at a similar stage in the business or further on in the business, but at a similar stage in terms of like the the work that we were um, producing, the types of weddings we were doing that's what people were charging. So we were charging similar to our peers. And then going on from there, years one to two, we put the price up to between 1,500 and 1,800 for video. That was roughly what we were charging. And we started doing photo and video together. Um, We were charging initially for for a first few, we were charging around 2,000 for both photo and video. Um, go on around a year from there so years two to three Um, so we're really kind of at that crunch point now we've got going we've got a portfolio we're doing okay in terms of the inquiries that we're receiving we've we've managed to to kind of find a place in the market where we're offering something that stands out a little bit which is much harder now I believe than it was back then Um, so years two to three we were charging between 1,800 and 2,300 for video and between 2,500 and 3,000 for both photo and video together. Um, and 
I'll be honest, at that point, we were feeling quite happy in terms of being able to get to that point of what we were charging within that amount of time. Um, However, the difficulty was that when I look back on the figures um, and I think about the amount of weddings that we had to do that year in order to make enough money, we had to do too many weddings um, to be able to to make the sort of money that we needed to generate. Um, and that's exactly why we're so passionate when we talk about things like pricing and we talk about other things to do with your business because if you're not working on this stuff early on and you don't get this right, it can be very difficult to it can be very difficult to to keep going and keep it sustained. And we had to work really hard. This is back in 2019. We had to work really hard uh, that year. Um, and I did feel quite burnt out by the end of it. Um, but that's that's all part of building a business. Um, but in hindsight, it, it taught me that we needed to charge more. And the, the, the plan for the next year was to be charging more. However... 2020 is when COVID happened. So for the next two years, we've got this really strange area of we were charging a good amount and then there were some bookings that had booked a couple of years earlier that didn't end up happening um, because they got postponed. So those gaps of like four years or more between when someone had booked back in 2018 those prices and when their wedding ended up taking place in 2022 um some of these people paid in full and everything and it was you know we were literally doing weddings for free uh some of the time we were taking on smaller micro weddings in order to just generate a little bit of money so we were doing these at a lower amount i'm sure lots of people can uh, relate to doing that through covid and it was just generally, there was just such a miss, a, a, a mix, mismatch, you know, such a mix of, of prices that we were charging because of when these weddings had been booked, when they were taking place, even, you know, and then you're still booking new weddings in amongst this period and charging a lot more than you've ever charged before for them. But then the next week you could be doing, you know, you could be charging four to five thousand pounds for a wedding and then the next week you're doing one that you charged less than two thousand for um and just quite a sort of strange experience and it's also what led to teaching us that you don't know what's around the corner and so you can't you know you've got to think ahead it's really important to be planning ahead and thinking about where you're going to be down the line and not just a year not just two years but what if something like covid happens so year six where are we now typically for video um it does range a little bit but we we're solidly now charging between 2500 and 3000 um sometimes you know a little bit more and then for both photo and video we're charging between 3700 and 4700 so at those prices this is where it becomes really really important because there's no way I could have anticipated that we could have been having a conversation about realistically charging that much for weddings. Bear in mind there are people that charge a lot more than that 
there are people that will charge five, 10, 20 grand a wedding, right? So there are people charging a lot more than that. But for us, to be able to charge that for a wedding, there's no way five years earlier, or maybe even three years earlier, we could have anticipated being able to do that. Um, and that's now our price point. That's now what we're aiming to be able to charge for, for every wedding. And we've only been able to do that because we have we've stuck to a particular strategy. We haven't just made it up as we've gone along. We've been really careful to look at the figures, to consider what we really need, and to work on getting to this point because that is the only way we knew we could do this um, and have a decent lifestyle so that we weren't working ridiculous. You know, there are times over the last five years that I've just not stopped. I've not taken a day off. I've not taken any holidays. It's just been work, work, work because that's what it's required. And you can do that for a short period of time, but I don't want to do that forever. Um, And the only way to be able to not do that is to be able to charge appropriately. Hence why pricing is so important. So a strategy for sustainable pricing. Two of the most popular pricing strategies that get discussed in business are cost-based pricing, where you are looking at what it costs you to do your your business and what um, what you need to kind of make out of it to make it worth your while. Um, and then that's what you're charging. Uh, and then there is value-based pricing, which is actually considering what you are bringing to the client. So what is the client getting from you? What will that do for them? So if it's a if you're offering a service to a company that's going to make a lot of money, for example, if you are mar- helping them market a product that if they sell a lot of, that will make them a lot of money, then in those circumstances, you are bringing a lot of value to that that client. Obviously, it's slightly different for us as wedding photographers and videographers because value-based pricing um, in this context is we are creating these memories that will last for their lives. They're going to be able to enjoy these memories forever. Um, and that is actually what why people will pay because either they value those memories or they value some cool looking shit that you're going to create for them and that is potentially priceless and it's it is about how you portray that how you put that across how you sell that to people but also it's about how much they value that whether it's cool looking shit or whether it's um those memories and there are other things that are important. There are other things that you bring value to. For instance, if someone wants to look really, really good on their wedding day and want they want a particular editorial type look for their wedding photos or video, and that's what you do, and they've seen it and they want that, then your whatever you charge within reason is is going to be worth it to them. Um, if they have that money available. To, to other people, they might 
want the memories. It's really important to preserve memories, but they don't want a fuss. They don't want a big deal. They don't like their photo taking. They don't want a video camera in their face all day, but the memories are important. So if that's what you're offering, then again, to them, that is going to be a high value product. So you need to work out and this is another topic that we'll talk about probably another day. But you need to work out what you're giving to people. And you need to work out why they should choose you. And you need to sell that to them. Not in a salesy way, but you need to make sure that it's clear what you offer. Um, so between cost-based pricing and value-based pricing, we're going to finish up with a mixture of those two um, so that we can suggest to you a really actionable strategy which combines them and it helps you to understand um, how to set your pricing. So here goes. Here are our steps to pricing. Step one is going to be to understand your personal living costs, your costs of doing business, taxes and your target amount of profit for the year. Okay, we don't look at per wedding, we look at a financial year or whatever year you want to to look at. But we need to look at it in a context of a longer period of time than week to week or wedding to wedding. We need to research our competitors. Step two, we need to research our competitors, analyse different markets, because then we know if we come up with a figure that we want to be able to charge and we've got a plan in place, that's what we're going to charge, um, is that going to sit right in the market that we're in currently, right? Am I going to be able to charge that in this market? Am I going to look ridiculously expensive compared to everybody else? Um, you know, but my work or the other things that I'm bringing value to don't stand out enough. So, you know, that that's important to understand that bit because if... If the answer to that question, if you look into those things, you do your research and you go, well, I, you know, I can't charge that in this market. You're going to have to move markets. And then you're going to be asking yourself that question. Is that really what I want to do? So that that comes on to step three. You're going to provide an honest self-assessment of your own abilities and where you currently are in relation to your peers. So are you as good as them? Are you bringing something either the same or better more than what your peers are bringing to the table um because if you're not then you're probably not able to compete on on price so then you're going to be looking at you know other things like are you just better at marketing are you better at selling um are you are you relating to couples that aren't really uh looking at the work they're looking at other things Number four, establish your own pricing goals and set some realistic timescales to achieve them. All right, pricing is a journey. It's something that requires a little bit of flexibility. It's unlikely that you charge the same price for every single wedding um, or that you will charge exactly what you want to on day one. So there are always going to be reasons why you might charge more or less um, for the same wedding 
but just in different circumstances, a different client, a different location. You might, you know, they're all going to, you're going to be offering the same thing, but it might change. There might be some changes within what you actually offer. So again, this is more to do with the packages, which we will talk about in the future. But what are you offering people? You know, and that's another thing. If you see another wedding photographer or another wedding videographer offering something at a certain price and you're thinking, well, that's that's more than what I charge or that's lower than what I charge. But it, it's irrelevant if you're not actually giving like-for-like service. You know, two two people could be charging the same amount, but they're offering, one's doing less hours or more hours. One's, do, one's offering a different edit um, or different products after the date. Like you see a lot of people who charging might be charging the same price as one photographer charges X amount for a digital only package and another photographer charges exactly the same amount but is including like a family bundle of albums and prints and all sorts. Well, they're not the same because there's no cost involved in the digital side of things apart from the time whereas the other one has got to buy a load of products which might not be that expensive but there's still a cost there so you know they're not making the same amount of money so you need to you need to consider these things um and you need to you know you're not going to charge what you want to charge on day one you've got to work up to it a little bit but also you shouldn't be scared of getting to where you want to be as quickly as possible that would be I'll come on to a bit of advice at the end, but that would be something I would be definitely considering. Number five, you need to have a goal of where you want to be in the future. You need to set realistic timescales. That links nicely onto the previous point because you might not be charging what you want on on, uh, day one. If you consider the pricing journey that we went on, we went from free to like 500 quid, under 1,000, 1200 1500 2000 and then up and up but it didn't happen overnight that was a period of a few years to to be able to do that and to be able to do it confidently doing it one time putting the prices on your website and nobody books or sending quotes out and nobody bites is not charging that price you're only charging that price when you're consistently booking that package, you're consistently booking at that price. So, you know, you're not going to be charging it straight away. Have a have a goal and set some timescales of how long you need to achieve it because it's going to lead to business growth. It's going to lead to um, satisfying your personal circumstances. So have those timescales. And if you're not meeting those timescales, examine why. Look Look at what it is that you aren't doing that you could be doing to achieve it. Um, this is exactly why we off, we're offering this help and advice because, you know, otherwise you're just going through it blind and you don't really know. You you just kind of, well, I'll charge this and then you realise it's not enough so you charge a bit more. Whereas if you've got a plan, you can actually say, well, I can work more weddings for a period of two years but by year three or four I need to be earning this much per wedding so that I don't have to do 60 weddings a year number six establish a happy price it will change at different points but 
establish a happy price. And what I mean by this is it's your lowest price per wedding that you're going to do and you won't typically go below that price. Um, it, it's got to be based on your overall revenue target for the year divided by the number of weddings that you either can or want to do. So, you know, if you do, if you charge a thousand pounds and you need to make uh, 30,000 weddings a year, at 30,000 pounds a year, and you're happy to do 30 weddings, then that's cool. But if someone comes to you and says, will you do it for 500, you're going to say no. Or if they say, you're going to do it for 800, you're going to say no. Even if you really kind of think, well, I'm not busy and it's an inquiry, you're not going to take that wedding because you know that in order to to achieve the financial um, goal that you have, you would have to then stretch yourself over that 30 weddings and you're not in a position to do that. So even though it might seem like a good idea in the short term, going below that happy price is not a good idea when you take into consideration the overall factors you know you're going to regret it i'll be honest this is from experience i've always regretted it right apart from when i was first starting out and i was very flexible if if somebody comes now and tries to get you to do something cheaper and you think well i'm not i'm not busy i usually end up regretting it um so you know this this way you are gonna kind of meet your revenue targets based on your costs and what you need uh, to sustain your personal circumstances and your business. And then number seven, once you reach your forecasted target for each year, so that happy price number um, in terms of like overall revenue, so it could be 30000 for the year, it could be 40000 for the year, then at that point, okay, it's a good time to put your price up. And you should put it up by a decent amount based on the work that you're creating. So again, you should be considering where you are in terms of your ability, in terms of your confidence, in terms of what where you are with your peers. And you should put you should put it up in based on like the demand for your services and the numbers of inquiries you're getting. So if you think I'm getting quite a lot of inquiries, people are booking me, and you've reached your forecasted amount. And people are still inquiring for that, you know, for, for for that year off and next year. Um, I think that's a really good time to put your price up, um, because you will see by doing that that there's low risk because you've already reached your your kind of financial goals for that year. And you'll find that if you give it a bit of time, people will people will pay that increased amount. And that is definitely, at the moment, a really good way of dealing with the inflation situation that we're experiencing. And I'm not just saying this because um, I'm trying to get you to, to to potentially do something that I wouldn't be prepared to do. This is exactly what we do. This is how we do this. And that's those seven steps are a really good way to approach pricing so that you're not just making it up, um, but you're not you're not kind of just um, being too scared to progress your pricing. You've got a plan and you're working through it. And if you need to drop back down, you always can. But it's unlikely that 
for a you know for a long period of time that you're going to need to do that you should always be edging up a little bit and this process should be revisited periodically you know you should be reviewing this at least once every year uh, maybe even once every six months um you you'd really don't want to let your confidence dictate your pricing you know make sure you're earning what you need to and beyond that you can ask for realistically what you think you're worth and what people pay based on the market that you want to work in again that's really important because we could all go and just say well I'm going to aim for the luxury market but you might not enjoy working at those luxury weddings you might find it difficult to change from a situation where you're dealing with um, couples that are getting married fairly local to you to having to deal with planners and travel quite some distance and have quite a lot of pressure and feel quite uncomfortable and that might not be worth it to you so you know it's about it's about you feeling confident about what you do what you want to do and using that strategy to dictate your pricing rather than letting the couples rather than letting the customer dictate your pricing because you don't feel confident and you just feel desperate you know think about what value is your work worth to the couple we talked about value pricing you're going to establish this through trial and error and experimentation you know if someone's willing to pay an amount then it's worth it if you send a quote out to someone and you don't, you're not in a position where you like desperately need that job, as in you've got enough work on, you can cover all the costs, you can cover your bills, you know you're not going to be without, you know, mortgage payments and food, and your business is going to be fine. Then that's a really great time to if 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 an inquiry comes in, if inquiries are coming in, to to push your pricing up and see whether you are worth more than what you've been getting previously. You know, it's gonna, if you, you only need a couple of people to book, you put your price up, you only need a couple of people to book at that price and you soon feel more confident about charging that amount. And then that becomes the norm. And then sometime later, you do the same again. This is basically how you're going to progress your pricing if that's what you're trying to do. Obviously, everybody's different everyone's got a different like we started off by talking about everybody has a different goal and your goal might be I'm quite happy doing this part-time and working very locally at very low pressure weddings where you know they're not expecting full day they're expecting short coverage they're expecting simple wedding photos or a simple um recording video recording of the ceremony or whatever and if that's the case and you're happy doing that and you have other job you have another job or something like that that's great what we're talking about here is if you want to be able to not burn out not work your ass off all the time okay have a normal existence where you work a normal amount of hours and you're able to enjoy your life and have a decent lifestyle because you've got enough money to live and you want to have something that will be successful and sustainable for the long run, as in not do it for two or three years and then pack it in, as in I'm going to do this for the next 10 plus 15, 20 years of my life, That that's why we're talking about this sort of pricing situation, this successful, sustainable model of pricing. All right, 
biggest two pieces of advice I can give is to, when you increase your price, give it time. Don't make any snap decisions. Don't start lowering it back down straight away. Don't think, oh, I've had 20 inquiries and I've not converted any. And previously, I would have converted at least half of those. Um, you can't judge it just on a couple of months. Obviously, if after 6 to 12 months you've not booked a wedding, um, you really do need to be looking at what what the disconnect is. And you need to be honest with yourself about it. You maybe even need to be asking for feedback. And that's something that we do with every inquiry. We don't necessarily get it all the time. But if somebody doesn't book with us, um, we always ask, uh, why not? Like, what's the what's the reason? Was it price? What were you wanting to pay? Things like that. Or if it was someone else, you know, who did you book? Um, what, what led to that decision? Nine times out of ten, it's pricing. Um, and then the second thing is to charge more earlier on in your journey because, honestly, um, if if we could go back, I would have definitely, knowing what I know now, definitely put our prices up higher, quicker, because I now know that we could have charged more. And what it would have led to is just a, a faster process of doing less weddings, um, but earning the same amount of money. And that is the best way to finish this off because it might not be, and I've heard this so many times from people, it might not be your goal to do fewer weddings because you might enjoy being busy, you might enjoy doing lots of weddings, you might have processes in place that means... You don't edit any of them, so you don't have the post-production. You go shoot the wedding, that's the bit you love. You love being around people. You love doing three, four, five weddings a week. Um, and you love then not having to handle the edit and just hand over the files to someone, somebody else edits, you deliver it, and you, you basically are, are happy with that model and you're happy with the amount that you're charging to run that model. But... Honestly, at some point, you know, I do think your circumstances will change. What if you get poorly? What if you, ha- you know, didn't have children, then you have children? What if um, you just kind of start to go off weddings, but you've got a ridiculous amount booked and you're already burnt out and you've got to keep going? Um, and that is why, you know, putting your prices up to a, not to like, ridiculous amounts but to a reasonable amount as early as possible is i i do believe is key to having a successful and sustainable wedding photography or videography business so i hope this has been helpful for you um i hope you can take some really like useful actionable information away from this i'm sorry if you've had to listen to me droning on for the past sort of 15 20 minutes without a break and without Lindsay, she's had to go and pick up our daughter from school Uh, so she had to leave Um, now if you have any comments if you have any questions please DM us on Instagram at Wedding Mavericks you can email us at info at weddingmavericks.com and if you have enjoyed any of the podcasts including today's or any of the others please just give us a rating or review on i on apple podcasts on you said itunes and um, or wherever you're listening to uh, this you can watch it on youtube obviously you're going to see if you do that you'll see Lindsay disappear halfway through and 
the last thing to say is thank you for listening and for tuning in everyone and take care of yourselves Uh, we'll see you again next week bye